Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you love us so much. Lord, as we look at bits of your word, as we respond to what your spirit has said to us in recent months, Lord, would you come and speak to our heads, to our minds, our thinking? Would you speak to our hearts, our emotions? Would you speak to our spirit, Lord, the core of who we are? Lord, would you raise our, raise our confidence, raise our faith, that we might trust you? For this Pentecost evening, Lord, we ask again for a fresh pouring out of your spirit. Everybody gathered here, everybody online, come Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Wasn't that fun this morning to actually gather, to sing, to put your fingers in your ears because the, the trumpets were too loud? Somebody said to me, do you, do you think everybody enjoyed the, uh, the loud Vuvuzela stuff? I went, I think everybody, apart from the group that were frowning, because <laughs> it was a bit loud, I do appreciate that, but one of the things I wanted to, to do was for the kids to remember to have it something that they, you know, because they haven't done church and we've been very, very difficult. I mean, Leonard's been brilliant and all the rest of it, but it's not quite the same as the children gathering together and doing stuff. So I just wanted something that they'd, hopefully, in the next few months, each time they pick up, each time they get told off by their parents for blowing their vuvuzelas, they'll think of church. Actually, that's probably not a good thing. Anyway, never mind. We'll see, we'll see what happens. A few months ago... Um, I can't remember who gave this word, and I suppose it doesn't really matter, but the titles we've been doing over the last few weeks, Chris did one on um, power, not process, last, last time, um, there's one coming, life, not death, they come out of uh, prophetic words that have been given. Now, they may come out of several, actually, where we've brought them all together and, and seen what the Lord is saying. So my title for tonight is Burgeoning Light. It's just those two words, burgeoning, B-U-R-G-E-O-N-I-N-G, burgeoning light. And the call is that we are filled with burgeoning light. So perfect for Pentecost. We're filled with that burgeoning light, but we're also that we are that burgeoning light. If I said to you, who is the light of the world? Your answer is Jesus. The answer is Jesus. And, of course, the, the response to that is yes, partially. Because he also says in Matthew's Gospel and in Luke's Gospel, actually, you are the light of the world. And he's talking to his disciples, he's talking to, those, to his followers. You are the light of the world. But he is, and in John's Gospel, he says, I am the light of the world, but you are the light of the world. It's another example where Jesus is, is taking 
part of his identity of who he is, who he's being revealed to be, and actually saying, but that's you as well. Oh. And that's, we're just going to spend a little bit of time just pondering that one. So I looked up the word light in the Bible, and I looked up the word burgeoning in the dictionary. Because, do you know, I, I put into, a, into the Bible search facility the word burgeoning, and it's not there. The word burgeoning is not in Scripture, but that's fine. So I looked it up. What does burgeoning actually mean? Now, it comes, as you would have guessed, it comes from a French background, Middle French, Latin going right the way back. But that GE together thing is a very... very um, French-sounding thing. So it's a word that came into the language in the Norman times, as the, those guys brought the French language over, or what was the language of France back then, into our country. And it, it means, it basically means, back then, it means to bud, to put out buds. So like a plant will bud, or a rose bush will bud. And you say it's coming into bud. And, and I'm not a gardener, but in any way, shape, or form. Um, and but the, if you say if you see something that is budding, it's not in flower, it's not in fruit, but it's about to. It's about to. And we use the word now to mean rapidly developing or growing. Again, not that it's got there, but it's getting there. It's on its way to being full size. It's on its way to being full. Alice, could I ask you a flavour? Because I'm going to keep talking. Could you get me the candle off the back table? I've just suddenly realised I haven't got it and I need it for just now. And if you could find me a match, that would be awesome if anybody out there has got a match. Not anybody out there, because you having a match is no help to us at all. So if anybody here has, that'd be great. Um, right, so the word burgeoning means rapidly developing or growing or flourishing. Brilliant. Or flourishing. Emerging not from a dormant state, but from a state of preparation. So it's not that the bud is dead. It's not that the bud is waiting to be alive, but it is alive. It's filled full with everything it needs, and it's just about to become what it's supposed to be. So the bud is, is ready to flower, full flower. Bless you. Thank you so much. So they both, I asked Alice, they both, they both jumped into action there. That's fantastic. Ruth had the key for the safe, which has got the matches in it. Brilliant. Well done, Ruth. Thank you, Alice. Brilliant. So burgeoning, flourishing, rapidly developing, emerging not from a dormant state, but from a state of preparation. And I followed it on a bit and said, okay, what, what else is there? And here are some of the, are they called antonyms? Words that mean the same thing. Synonyms. Aha, synonyms. Antonyms are the opposite, isn't it? These are synonyms. So to blossom, to sprout. 
he's sprouted up, hasn't he? There's a sudden explosion of, of height and growth, often in teenage boys, leading to sore shins but, and all that stuff. <coughs> but also to raise up, to push up, because that's, that's actually how a bud is formed. Whether it's sideways or upwards, it's, it's like the, the body of the plant is pushed out. It's expanded, it's extended, and the bud is formed. I'm on, me, I'm, I'm on dodgy ground with the science here. That's as far as I go. Um, to, and it also means to push up, to elevate, to make bigger, to, make, to, to grow, to spring forth, to gush, to swell to the point of bursting. Now we could all do some imagery there, but I won't. I'm not going to be that graphic. Um, but something that swells to the point of it's just ready. And actually, it made me think of a particular thing. And I, and I checked. And actually, you can use it. And um, poetically, this word has been used to mean pregnant. So is that, that sense of being full, because the French, the French word for pregnant means, en plein, it means full, doesn't it? It just means you're full. Don't ever say j'ai en plein when you've eaten a lot, because it means you're pregnant. You know, so that could confuse some waiter somewhere if you're not careful. Um, so that, it's that sense of fullness, but for, the fullness of life, the fullness of a readiness. And like a birth or like a bud, what comes is, is life. It's ready. And it still needs to grow and it still needs to get bigger and it still needs to mature and all that stuff. But it's ready. Life is fully formed. And I don't know if you've heard us say before, but um, we discovered a long time ago, I didn't know this, the longer the gestation period in the animal kingdom, the longer lived the animal. So most animals, the gestation period is much shorter than ours, but their lifespan is much shorter than human. An animal whose gestation period is longer, like an elephant, their potential lifespan is, a lot, is longer than ours. So the longer the gestation period, and actually I think there's a spiritual truth in that. The longer something comes to birth, and this isn't always true, because sometimes things happen immediately. But in lots and lots of things, the longer something takes to come to birth, the longer lived it is. And actually, that's what I want. I don't want to see a revival like we've seen revival, where it goes, oh, really exciting, and it's gone again. It lasts two or three years, and it goes. And then on you go, wishing for a revival. And then I want to see something that comes and then just is sustained. And that we carry that. And actually, we go from there and there's a revival. And isn't it, isn't it absolutely wonderful? And along you go. And then the next revival actually takes you higher again. And I want to get, rid, I want to get away from this up and down stuff in church life. The antonyms for burgeoning are these words. To shrivel, to wither, to decrease, to lessen, to die, to fade, to shrink to diminish, to lose, to decline. Okay, Lord, you've given us that particular word, burgeoning. And I see why now. I see why. 
This is something in us that needs to be brought to full term. Let's push the pregnancy imagery a bit further. It's something that is budding. It's something that's pushing out. It's something that's ready to explode, to gush, to flow forward. I'm just using all the words that we've just used. It's, re it's, re it's coming. It's coming. One of my favorite authors is Alice Peters. She writes the um, Brother Cadfile novels. She loved watching it on the television with um, Derek Jacobi. I had to go I, Claudius first there, and then went to Derek Jacobi that way. For some of you who are too young, just look at me as if I'm completely stupid. That's absolutely fine. Never, you, Pam, you knew what I meant, didn't you? Yeah, you were with me. Thank you. I think Wendy was there as well, weren't you? Yeah, absolutely. But Alice Peters had a, had a second nom de plume, a second name she wrote under, which is Edith Pardita. And I found this quote. It just came up. I was um, looking for the word burgeoning, and I just love this. Her insight into Cadfell's mind and her insight into matters of faith sometimes, I have no idea if she was a Christian or not, but I sort of wouldn't be surprised just because of some of the things she wrote. She wrote this, Truth like the burgeoning of a bulb under the soil, however deeply sown, will always make its way to the light. So I'll read that again. Truth, like the burgeoning of a bulb, because that's what a bulb does. It, it, it's already carrying everything that is the plant. Like, so truth, like the burgeoning of a bulb under the soil, however deeply sown, so however hidden will always make its way to the light. It always moves up. It always looks up. I know roots go down as well, but the bulb, the plant, it makes its way up, and it's f trying to find the light, because plants need the sunlight to grow. So, okay, if burgeoning is all about rapid development, growth, flourishing, sprouting, blossoming, Raising up, pushing up, all that stuff. Why is the Lord talking to us about burgeoning light? What does that mean? Now, light is a, is a common theme in Scripture and actually used quite a lot by John and his Gospels and in the letters. John writes 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. God is light. I mean, how straightforward do you want it to be? God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. There is no darkness at all. Hmm. So, this growing, flourishing, budding, developing light is from him. It, and it's from who he is. He is light. He is love. It's one of the few times, and actually the, one of the, the other ones that is written by John in chapter 4 of his first letter. God is light. And in 1 John chapter 4, he says, God is love. Um, it's not a, an image. It's, not, it, it's a straightforward definition. 
He's not trying to paint a picture of who God is. God is like a shepherd. God is like a father. God is, he's not, God is light. God is light. And Jesus came as the light of the world. John chapter 1. He came as the light of the world. But what did the world do to him? You are allowed to answer me if you want to. Shout as loud as you want at home. I can't hear you. John chapter 1. Read every year at, at, at um, carol service. He was the light of the world. And he was born into the world. But the world... I'm terribly sorry, I can't. When you've, got my, when you've got masks on, my hearing gets really bad. Did not know him. They didn't recognize him. They didn't see the light, even though the world is dark, sinful. They didn't see the light. And actually, purple, purple, people prefer light. You can see where I got purple from there. People prefer light. Uh, rewind people prefer darkness people, how many times as a vicar as, I've, as the phrase been used by Christians to me better the devil that you know than the devil you don't well, better the, not the devil at all and the Jesus you know but they, what they mean is we don't like change I'd rather stay with where, where I'm at And we don't move. When light comes, have you ever done this? You've cleaned a room, you've hoovered, you've tidied, you've dusted, and then somebody puts a really bright light in a room and you look and go, why did I bother? Because it looks just as dirty as it did before. Because actually, in the light you were using before, you couldn't see how grimy it was. And we've all seen those programs where they take the ultraviolet light into a, into a hotel room and it's like, ah, yeah. you'd never want to sleep in a hotel room again. Light shows up darkness. Light shows up dirt. Light shows up... Do you know, I've got to that age now where the reading glasses really, really help, but you know what helps more than anything? Sunlight rather than artificial light. I can read things outside in, in the sunlight that I, that I have to have glasses on in here and get under a light to see. But outside, I can read them fine because the sunlight is so much clearer. Apparently, it's not just age. It's, it's tiredness as well with eyesight. So there you go. People love the darkness. They won't recognize the light. The light is uncomfortable. can be a form of torture, of course, to be in a place where the light is on permanently. And you never get respite from that. Because light can be painful, so people tend to shy away. I had a migraine a couple of weeks ago, and it lasted a couple of days. And the first morning I woke up and thought, I think I might have a migraine. Wendy opened the curtains, didn't you? And I went, no, 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 you're going to have to shut those again. Because my eyes just couldn't. I had my eyes closed and it still hurt. The light was just too much. And of course, on a normal day, it's just up and go. You don't think about it. Well, I say up and go. It's sit on the edge of the bed for five minutes and think about getting up. And then, then gradually up and vaguely go. 
But you, you know what I'm trying to say. Jesus said in 8, John 8, chapter, uh, verse 12, I am the light of the world. Jesus came as the light of the world. He declares, I am the light of the world. And then in 1, in 1 John chapter 5, God is light. So if God is light and Jesus is the light of the world, who is Jesus? God. When he says in John chapter 8, I am the light of the world, he's making a claim to divinity. And then one of the amazing, I might actually read this scripture now, one of the amazing images of light that's around Jesus in, John, in Matthew chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led him up to a high mountain by themselves. Then there he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun. His clothes became as white as the light. Just then, just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with them. I love Peter. I absolutely love Peter because he makes me look, look you know, relaxed and not foolhardy. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, is it good for us to be here? If you wish, I'll put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses. One for oh, you prawn, can you see what's going on? And he misses the point, and actually I love him even more for that. Because how often do we miss the point? And this is the guy who's going to be put in charge of the church first. The guy that completely misses the point regularly. Isn't that great? But of course church leaders have to be perfect, don't they? And never make mistakes. Now you lot know that's not true. But that's still out there. But I love this. You know, his face shone like the sun. Have you ever tried looking straight into the sun? In England, it's possible briefly. But if you're in Africa, or even if you're in the Mediterranean or somewhere, and you just look straight into a clear blue sky, and in straight, you can't do it. Because it, you know, the eyes can't manage it. It's too bright, isn't it? The light that Jesus is claiming to be is an overwhelming light. It's a burgeoning light. It's growing. It's gushing. It's coming forward. It's being birthed. If you've given birth or been present when somebody has given birth, hopefully your spouse, um, it's fairly obvious something's happening. Do you know what I mean? It's not something that can just sort of happen in the corner. Nothing to do with the screaming. Or the, or the calling out for stronger painkillers. Or whatever it is. I'm not going to tell the story. It's fine. When you look into the light that is birthing something new, it's overwhelming. His clothes were as white as the light. The transfiguration, here's Jesus revealing himself as the light, the light of God, the God who is light, the light of the world come into the world. Okay. So what is the Lord saying to us? 
we've unpacked the word burgeoning a bit. We've unpacked the word light a bit. I could have gone on for hours on the light thing, by the way. There's so many references, but that's enough for now. If you want the notes, please, I can make them available to you. I've, I look, this doesn't happen very often. I've actually got typed up proper notes. Even Ruth's looking at me going, no, that's not how you do it. What's happening? But they're there. So what's the first... What, what do we, I think there are three things we need to take from this. This call to be filled with burgeoning light, to be burgeoning light. First is to believe. We've got to believe it's true. Do you believe it's true? Yeah. John 12, 36 says this. Believe in the light while you have the light so that you may become children of the light. Believe the light while you still have the light, so that you may become children of the light. And actually, that's all the work we have to do. Chris was talking about grace this morning, and about how you know, we... Bible-believing Christians are weird. Sorry. Includes me as well. Because we believe that salvation is a free gift. Yep, the gospel is absolutely free. Hang on, nobody here has gone like that, so I'm not sure. Do you believe that the gospel is free? Eternal life is a free gift. Well, why then do we live by law? I'm only going to get blessed if I go to church. I'm only going to get blessed if I pray properly. I'm only going to get blessed if I have any quiet time properly these next seven days. I, no. Grace is grace is grace is grace. And it's all free. Now, as we walk in his ways, we see things happen. Not as a reward for us walking his ways, but when we come into alignment with him, we see things happen because what he, his will in heaven becomes his will on earth through us. So it's not that our alignment has made it happen, it's our alignment has allowed him to work in a particular way through us. We've not earned it. It's not obedience for law, it's grace. It's I love you, so therefore I'm going to. And we need to recognize this light, not just that we believe that Jesus is the light of the world, but that we are the children of light. Matthew 5, 14 to 16, you are, a light, are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. We say that every Sunday at 8 o'clock at the Book of Common Prayer. But we don't say the first bit, just the last bit. We should say it all. You are the light of the world. Who's saying that? Matthew 5. Jesus, it's, it's, it's just 14 verses into the Sermon on the Mount. So Jesus is saying it, and he's saying it to the people in front of me, he's saying it to those who believe, he's saying it to you. You are the light of the world. Do you believe him? You nearly look convinced. You, do, uh, I am, we can stand there and say, I am the light of the world. We are the light of the world. In Ephesians, Paul talks about the church being the hope, the hope 
through all eternity for every generation. And now we know it's because of Jesus, but it's through the church. It's through us. We are the light of the world. <coughs> Not because I'm brilliant and amazing and fantastic, or you are, but because Jesus says so. And if Jesus says so and we don't agree with him, then we're disagreeing with God, which is never a good place to be in. And a lot of what God says about us is really, really positive and lovely. We agree with him when he says, you're a sinner. Yeah, I agree with that. But when he says we're a saint, we go, nah, I can't be one of those. We agree with him when he says you've fouled up, you've messed up. But we don't agree with him when he says, but I love you and all's fine. I forgive you. There's something in the human psyche that accepts the negativity and the, and the bad news so much easier than the good news and the affirmation. And flipping out, the world's not going to change if we, if we can't accept the truth and believe the promises. Romans 13, 12, we're told we have an armour of light. In 2 Corinthians 6, 14, we're told that light cannot have fellowship with the darkness. So, we believe that Jesus is the light of the world. We recognise our identity, that we are the light of the world because of Jesus. And thirdly, we get the church to start thinking differently. Because if we start thinking differently, we will act differently. 2 Peter 2.9. You'll know this verse. You are a chosen people. Have you been chosen by God? Yeah. Great. You're a royal priesthood. We were talking about that this morning, putting the crowns on. You are a royal priesthood. Your royalty. Please don't look at our royal family as an example of what royalty is supposed to be. Look at Jesus. You know? It's not about duty and service. It's about walking in confidence as a son and daughter of the king. And therefore we will be obedient and serve the one who is the king. You are a holy nation gathered people of God of every race nothing defines us in terms of that identity apart from being in Christ neither Jew nor Greek male nor female slave nor free there's nothing about our economic position that defines us there's nothing about our gender that defines us there's nothing about our ethnicity that defines us if we're more excited about oh, looks round, if we're more excited about being from Scotland, because <laughs> there's nobody Scottish here, hey, than being a Christian, we've got a problem. Because, yeah? If we're more excited about being white than black, we've got a problem. Because we're Christians. And none of it matters. None of it matters justice is that none of it matters in that all of it matters as well you know that one 
We are one in Christ. We are a holy nation. We're God's special possession. Wow. Have you got something special that you want to hold on to? You've got something special you look after? We're that cherished possession of God. But he's amazing because he doesn't hold on to it in a way that causes it to, to be diminished and restricted. He, he is, we are his special possession and he releases us and lets us go and gives us free will. So we're all those things, chosen people, royal priesthood, holy nation, God's special position, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Not will call you out of darkness. The light isn't in heaven. He's called you out of darkness into the wonderful light now. Because the light is Jesus Ready? And where is Jesus now? They've all, they've all pointed to their chest. Don't know why he's here and not here or here, but he's, he's inside. So where is the wonderful light that he's called us into? But also, it's here and here in us as a people. Somebody said to me last weekend, it's a pity your birthday fell on a Sunday. You had to be at church. Actually, where would I rather spend my birthday? With the family of God? Yeah, it'd be nice to see my kids, but they're all over the country. But do you know what? Spending part of my birthday in church is wonderful. Because it's the family together. Where would I rather be? That's why I don't want to take a sabbatical at home. Because if I take a sabbatical at home, I'll be at home, and then I'll probably come to church. Because I want to be at church, and the whole point is to take a flipping sabbatical from you lot. <laughs> so that I could do other things. But actually, if I'm here, I want to be here. Or at Restore Hope, or wherever. Because I love the church. Now, could I have a beautiful assistant, please? The only person I could call beautiful in here. Can I, can I have your help, please, dear? Because we can get close without anybody complaining. I've got a problem with the image of light. I don't, can, can people see the... I about to say, can people at home tell me if you can see the table? So I'm going to get Wendy to do the things because I can't... More. So I'm going to get Wendy to do the things because... Um, then I can keep talking at the same time. He says, stopping talking. We'll have the light. Yep. Go and turn the light off for me. Please. Yeah. Thank you. She's not been warned about this, as you could probably see, because she keeps giving me a look. Go. 
All of them. That's it. I've got a problem with the way the church displays light. That's beautiful, isn't it? Candlelight is beautiful. And in a dark room, candlelight, you know, the smallest of light will, will stop it being dark. Can, do you think they can see that at home? I don't know. I hope it's working. I hope you can see the light. Actually, if you look at the screen up here, it's, it's really quite bright on, on, online. But how far is that light going? Pam, it's not reaching you, is it? Actually. In fact, where does it... It's probably about there it starts to light. So if you go upwards, it's lighting better. Actually, I can feel the warmth there as well. And the church has reduced the burgeoning light to candlelight. Please, I'm not saying candlelight is wrong. But it's made us think, candles are such a church image, aren't they? They're such a church image. And, and I'm, please, I'm, if you use them regularly in devotions and stuff, don't stop. But that is what we've reduced the, the idea and the perception and the conception of light to be. It's that. Where the light we really need, thank you, Mr. Clare, is that. Don't, he said, don't shine it down the... See, everybody in front of me has gone... <laughs> Which one is burgeoning light? The one in my hand. Very often you get two clergymen, one texts the other one going, have you got a light that's so bright like an arc lamp? And the response comes back, yep. <laughs> How big of a one do you want? <laughs> Is that enough? Pam's good. Pam, <laughs> It's, it's really bright, isn't it? I'm glad to be behind it. It's really bright. And it's just a torch. You know, it, it completely and utterly puts that into the shade, doesn't it? Thank you, Wendy. The church has diminished our understanding of light. It hasn't extinguished it. It hasn't denied it. But it's reduced it to candlelight. Now, I understand. You know, 500 years ago, candlelight was like, whoa, to people. I get that. And the electric light and the, all the rest of it is so much more now because of technology. I get that. But like all images that the church has used over history, what, what was whoa 500 years ago is, go is now... Because it's lost its impact. It's not the amazing light... The church has diminished stuff. What sort of things do I mean? The church has not stood for justice. 
but collaborated with the forces of oppression. Church in so many places across the world, especially the Church of England, means the imperial oppressive force. And the church has cooperated with that and been part of that and sometimes been at the forefront of leading that. The church has watered down the truth, dimmed the light, to be open-minded and not offend anybody. Now, we've got to engage our brains and think and not just be so simplistic about things, but the church, this one you might be surprised at, but it's what I sensed I needed to write. The church has eschewed emotions and rejected experiences of God. Said the emotions are not for worship. The emotions are not for this. Not all the church, not every part of the church, but in large parts of the church. We mustn't be too wacky. We can't. All things in moderation, Church of England. Thank you, Elizabeth I. You know, the church has done these things, played down the importance of being wholehearted and engaged with God in our emotions as well as our intellect. The church has played down the truth because we don't want to offend people. The church has played down the need for justice and been part of the problem, not part of the solution. The church should always be part of the solution in the world's problems but so often it's been part of the problem the world sees us as, as irrelevant the world sees us as on the edge we don't matter you know I don't many thousands have been allowed back into football matches over the last couple of weeks quite a lot Guess what football crowds do? They sing. No problems. But don't you dare sing in church. Question's been asked. No, you're not allowed to. Really? Well, you don't count. You can have one person singing, which allows the muezzin to sing at the mosque or the cantor to sing in the synagogue, or the priest to sing at the front of a church, fine. Or even Johnny to sing. But it becomes passive. It becomes, it's not worship anymore, it's performance. I know Johnny hates that as much as I do. You know, it's not about performance. We want it to be as good as it could be, but it's not about performance. The church is seen as irrelevant. Light is the closest thing that comes to, to being pure energy. I also texted Chris and said, is light pure energy? To which I got the response, yep. So it's handy having a science uh, person. So, but I'm reading this. Light is about the closest thing that comes, the closest anything comes to being pure energy. But it's not pure energy such such so much as it's one of the several kinds of energy that isn't tied up in matter. 
So it's not tied to the physical. Lydia's, Lydia's chuntering at the back. You can ask, if you want the physics expert, talk to her later. I have... I think I'm, I'm there now. I'm done with my science. That's about as far as I can get. But light is the, one of the purest forms of energy we can find. And we are called to believe in the light of the world and to be filled with the light of the world. So here comes my last scripture. I'm coming into a close, Johnny. That's your subtle hint. It's your two-minute warning. This is Ephesians 1, 20 to 23 in the message. All this energy issues from Christ. I quite like that word, issues. It's, there's a resonance there with burgeoning, isn't it? It burgeons from Christ. All this energy issues from Christ. God raised him from death, set him on a throne in deep heaven, in charge of running the universe. Everything from galaxies to governments. No name and no power exempt from his rule. And not just for the time being, but forever. He is in charge of it. He's in charge of it all. And he has the final word on everything. Good stuff, isn't it? At the centre of all this, spelt wrong because it's American translation, at the centre of all this, Christ rules the church. At the centre of all of this, Christ rules the church. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which he speaks, he acts, and by which he fills everything with his presence. Oh, that's a big call, isn't it? We're absolutely central. We are central to what happens here in Cheshire Boys and Amersham, and actually Buckinghamshire, Southeast, England, the Great Britain the world. We are central to it. If we are walking, knowing we're filled with that light, knowing he is the light of the world, believing that we are the light of the world, we will take this nation by storm, thinking differently, not being scared of, not wanting to upset people, but just being kind and loving and blessing and encouraging The light of the world dwells within us individually and as a body. We need to begin to live up to that reality. Not striving, not effort, not out of guilt, but simply to walk in who we are in Jesus. And it starts by resting in his presence and being with him. Well, I've written the last bit in capitals, which means it's important. It is time... The world noticed the church again. It's time the world experienced the love of God again. It's time the world saw the presence of Jesus manifest again. It is time we walked as the people of God, as the Father intended, as Jesus made possible and the Spirit enables us. Ready? You're going to choose to do that in your way. Please, I'm not suggesting we go and storm Parliament. You know, 
But be that burgeoning light in Maryland. Be that burgeoning light where you work, where you live. Be who you are in Christ. Be just like Jesus, for he's the light of the world that makes sure you are the light of the world, which means there is hope. I'm going to pray. Johnny's going to come and lead us in worship because that is where it starts. It starts with us resting and worshipping in his presence. Slightly longer, I know, but... Hmm. I'm going to start praying when Johnny starts walking. Oh, he's put the first song up. Look at that. Bless him. He's, I've got 20 seconds longer to get to the back. <laughs> Father, thank you that you've called us to be the light of the world. And Lord, we want to see the world experiencing your love. Jesus, thank you that you died and rose again for us. And we want the world to see the presence of Jesus manifest. Holy Spirit, thank you that you're here. You're here to equip us. You're here to enable us. You're here to live through us. You're here to bring us into all truth. Lord, we're not going to be peripheral anymore. We're going to be front and center in this world as we stand for Jesus. And Lord, as just 10, 15, 20 of us go, yes, Lord, that's what we want. Lord, thank you that you started with 11. And you changed the world. Do it again, Lord. Revive your church, we pray.